Rudolfsson Baza, an Afro-optimist and impact investor. Welcome to Pamu Uyu with China's podcast. As we would have had conversations in an African village, sitting under the shade of a tree, a boabab tree in this instance, this podcast is about telling stories about Africa and its people through conversations with leaders who are making an impact in their spaces. The conversations aim to inspire and grow the love for Africa as we discuss the good, the bad, the flourishing, the retrogressing, the history, the present, and the future. To start off the podcast, I'm hosting a pre-launch season dedicated to International Women's Month with the theme this year is Break the Bias. And no, this is not just a conversation for women. Tune in and find out why. For this episode, I'm joined by Dr. Faith Chaiva Kingori. She has a PhD in pharmaceutics and now works in FMCG in roles in strategy. Welcome, Faith. Hi, Janice. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. This year's theme for International Women's Day is Break the Bias. What does that mean to you? Wow, what a heavily loaded topic, Janice. I mean, I think when I think of this topic, my first reflection point is we all have biases, unconscious biases and conscious biases. Unconscious biases are probably the most dangerous because you don't even realize you feel that way about a certain thing, a certain person with a different characteristic to yourself. So as I think about it, one of the challenges to myself is what am I consciously biased about and what am I unconsciously biased against? When I think of that perspective and I reflect on my own biases, the first thing I always think about is how do I make sure that I give all people, women, men alike, a fair chance in the workplace? We need to make sure we don't judge them based on preconceptions of who we think they are. When I look at women, for example, right, we need to give people the freedom to lead a balanced life as a mom, a wife, or an employee. We need to encourage women to be able to be okay to focus on the output and the content of their work. We must challenge the notion that means that people or women are not comfortable enough to say, for example, I'm taking my son for swimming, right? And sometimes this can even be after work, but mentioning in, in a particular meeting makes someone feel like people are going to judge me. So we must make sure that even ourselves as female leaders, we allow people to recognize and to realize that we have the freedom to be able to fully participate in all elements of our lives. Only yesterday, Janice, I tell you, we were yeah. doing a document with my senior manager and, um, you know, my boss, and I'd done everything else that was, you know, necessary and it was ready for admission um, to the, for submission to the, to the regional team. And I kind of said, actually, it was like 4.30. I said, well, I'll only be able to pick this up at 5.30 after my swimming class or taking my son to swimming class. Yeah. And, you know, for women and people, I say, it's okay. Right. Let's make sure that, you know, we're not biased against women and people in general that need to make these life choices. So we must break that bias. We must challenge ourselves when we find ourselves judging people on who we think they are and whether they can deliver the work or not. Let's judge them on the merit of the output. And that's what's most critical. You have a very good point there, Faith, because sometimes we define ourselves by what we think the next person is thinking or by what we think the next person is going to say, which then mm. frames a bias 
we, we stop ourselves from doing what we're supposed to do because before you even ask, you think they're likely going to say no or they're likely going to judge me. And it's up to us to change that narrative. So I, I really, really like that. Absolutely, Jonathan. I think the most important thing for me is to realize that make sure that your work is the best you can deliver, right? It's no point validating these biases by not being able to do the work that's been asked for, right? We must be brave enough to say, I need to go do X. Don't judge me because I'm going to do the work. Mm. But we must make sure that our work is the best we can. Yeah. And when you were talking, you also touched on a balanced life. Have you ever experienced a work-family conflict? You know, sometimes this is termed work-life balance. Is there a story you can share of how you've navigated this? So many stories, actually, Jenna, so many stories. (laughs) Um, I I can't tell you how many times, you know, I'm literally having to stay, you know, in my office while my family is is, you know, at home or downstairs and doing other things. Yeah. But I mostly reflect on the kind of tough choices that I've been fortunate to be able to make because of my supportive husband. Mm. So a few years ago, before I had a child, um, you know, it was an opportunity for me to go at the sales and distribution function in Swaziland. And we're living in Johannesburg, yeah. right? And I remember even thinking about, you know, whether this move was best for our, our family as of two, Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, you know, when my boss told me, I was like, yeah, this is great. But I had apprehension because yeah. even then I thought that this move professionally was going to result in conflict in our home. And I remember phoning him that morning after my meeting with my boss and my boss said, well, then my husband says, when are you leaving? Oh, wow. Like, oh my goodness. Wow. Mean I, not, not that I, I can go, I'm not seeking permission, but <laughs> it's something that you're willing to support me through, right? right? And, and the challenge there is not only must I have to deal with this different you know, family situation, right? That's requiring me to be away from home. I'm also having to deal with the pressure that comes from external forces. So, right. you know, my mother-in-law was a little bit concerned. My dad said, oh, you can go, but what does your husband say? Right. So while I'm having to navigate those external factors, I'm also having to make sure that my relationship itself is solid enough for me to choose work for a period and family in a balanced way. I think what was really, really great as well is that even when I went to live in in Swaziland and subsequently Mozambique, one of the things that my boss in Mozambique said to me was, you know, it was two years in. And then, you know, at this point in time, I had to choose the other way around because he said to me, you can't stay away for that long, right? For two years, two and a half years, you become strangers. Mm-hmm. And I realized that at home, we were starting to fight unnecessarily due to the fact that it was so unknown and so on. So wow. at that point in time, I then had to make a choice. Yet again, where family becomes more important than work. Right. And I think, and I think for me, it's not so much it's a conflict. It's more of a work family juggle. I think juggle for me represents a better word because at certain times, you know, you you have the juggle for work, you know, playing a much bigger prominent role and you've got a juggle for work, for family playing a much more prominent role. And you need to choose. Sometimes you choose A, sometimes you choose B, but always, like I always think you should be aware of the consequences, right? Nothing comes without risk. Not making career moves might mean that you're slower in the workplace in terms of your trajectory. Right. Mm-hmm. Making a work move could mean you're putting your family at risk. Right. Mm-hmm. And so as a partnership, as a family, 
you need to balance it out, but you need to understand that none of it comes without consequence or risk. So I don't like the word conflict. Yeah. I don't know if it's balance. I think it's more of a juggle in my view. Yeah. And I like how you framed that because I've struggled with this particular element in my own career as well. And, and you're right. Mm. When different things are happening in your life, certain things take more um, I can't use the word priority, but you have to make a decision of what makes sense for right now. Sometimes mm. the career decision makes sense, but as you say, it needs to be a decision where both of you, if you're married or if you're in a relationship, are in agreement to say, this is what we're doing for now, because it's not you, it is we. And the reverse is also true when you decide, no, I'm, I'm going to let this pass for the sake of my family. This is what we're doing right now because it makes sense for us. And, and like you, I, I actually want to throw in another word there because I've made the mm. decision or realization that there's actually no balance. Even in a single day, it's a series of decisions that you're making mm. on what you want to spend your time on. And uh, I like to call it compartmentalization. So um, my husband was laughing at me a few weeks ago when he noticed in my calendar, I've grayed out family dinner every single day. Because if you don't do that, I have meetings mm -hmm. that will overlap, but I need to see it in there to make sure mm -hmm. it happens. So Absolutely. <laughs> I, I like that. Thank you so much for that story you shared. And interestingly, one of the last comments on it is, you know, I read Indra Nu's book um, about a week or so ago, I finished it. And one of the things she does talk about is the fact that it's not balanced. And I reflected on her career choices. By and large, the level of commitment she put into her work um, meant that she was not often available for a family in a typical um, availability kind of sense. But there were a couple of things that also helped in terms of managing this dynamic. One is a supportive spouse that I've mentioned, mm. but also she also had um, structures in place that enabled her to be able to raise children with support on the side. So for a long time, they had a mother and they had his parents for a while. So having these other external support mechanisms is important for you as well to right. be able to get a better sense of work, family, uh, juggle, as yeah. I call it as well. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Thank you, Faith. So the WEF has put out stats that globally women earn on average just 68% of what men are paid for the same work and just 40% on average in countries with the least gender parity. What are your thoughts on that? Have you experienced this? How have you navigated this? So it's, it's interesting. One, I think sometimes it's hard to know whether you're experiencing it or not. Right, because you know, pay scales are not transparent in organizations. I've hardly met an organization that says within this band, we pay from X to Y, and this is where you are. You kind of eventually get a sense of the pay gaps or the pay scales when you sneak around. It's so weird mm. that this information comes by um, in different ways. So I can't say explicitly I've been in a situation where you know it's been a result of that. Right. Now, the biggest challenge I find with the pay gap is that you, you know, this 60% or 70% you refer to today creates a wedge forever. Mm. The reality is women can never catch up 
I think it's up to the organizations to make sure that when they're recruiting people, right, people are paid or compensated in line with the value that they deliver irrespective of gender. Now, we do know that in organizations, however, um, even when a role is similar, right, and two people have similar experience, women can be even 95, 90% and below, number one. Yeah. Number two, in some cases, and in, Indranui in talks about this in her own experience, right, where men benefit from extra bonuses that women don't know about. Wow. For example, I think she talked about how other team members in the executive team had stock options for much longer than she did oh wow right and so sometimes it's not even the fact that you know the absolute salaries are they could be close or you know but they're all these things that really are important for wealth creation that women might not even know about mm. now i think the reality though is how do you make sure that the company policies align with the value that a person delivers right we need to make sure that on a by and large we make sure that we start women and men at the very same point in time. Obviously, as you know, performance becomes the determinant of increases um, going forward, the reality is that your starting points must at least be close. It is the mandate, I think, of you know, people functions, which ironically are often headed by women, who are even so biased that they make the women earn less. And then don't even get me into situations where you have to now consider that you've got a woman of color, mm. right? A black woman is more likely to earn less than a white woman. Wow. Right? And then a white woman obviously earns less than a white man. Yeah. So you can imagine that forever, it'll be very difficult to catch up. It's important that organizations have equitable practices um, to be able to do so. I have been in my own experience in situations where I'm probably on the lower paid of a group of colleagues, okay? Yeah. But I, I think one of our biggest challenges as women and myself, I suppose, as a black woman, I think I was just so grateful to have this opportunity. I know, right? That <laughs> I, I, I was like, oh, thank you, Lord, et cetera, <laughs> right? Um, I don't even, and you know, my, you know, my HR person said to me, hey, you know, you didn't even negotiate. I said, what? She's like, everybody negotiated. I said, huh? Yeah. And I realized that, you know, this level of gratitude again, right? We're so grateful we have a job, like I'm a foreigner in South Africa or yeah. I'm a woman in this organization. Yeah. I mean, it's a step up from my previous job, but it doesn't reflect on the value I deliver. Wow. And so my, my kind of thinking as well is not only is there natural bias in the system, I think that women don't do themselves a favor, right? We don't, we just have too much gratitude. Instead of saying, you know what, actually I'm worth X, right? And if you're not giving me X, it's okay, right? I'm not so desperate to move. But sometimes when you're desperate to move, you know, that's another long story. But there's an onus on organizations ultimately, and there's an onus on us as individuals to, to fight for equality or to negotiate for better terms that align with the value that we believe we can deliver to an organization. Absolutely. And Faith, at this point, we have to stop with the questions. Otherwise, I know you and I can talk for hours and hours. But I surely love the insights that you've brought to the table. The first one being know your words, negotiate based on your value, which means at the, in the first place, you need to know your value, right? And mm. the second one to organizations to implore to 
equitable means in which pay scales are executed when mm. someone comes into a new role. It is important for those in those positions of leadership to consciously make this decision because we are putting in the work. And in some cases, mm. working very long hours, because even after you put the kids to sleep, you know, if you have children, you're opening that laptop and, you know, uh, chopping away and delivering because we are committed. So it's very important to see the value that a person is putting in an organization, which is not limited because of their gender. Thank you so much. Absolutely. For your insights were gold and I look forward to more conversations in the future. Thanks, Janice. It's an honor to be here. Wishing you all the best. Um, and I'm sure we'll chat again soon. Absolutely. Thank you, Faith. If you would like to right. connect with and follow Faith, I've added her LinkedIn profile at the end of this podcast. I'd love to hear from you. Please continue getting in touch and sharing your views. You can even uh, send me questions on my email, Janice at pamuuyu.com or send me voice notes for any insights you would want to share. We can share some of those on the podcast. I look forward to engaging with you and thank you for listening. See you soon.